Thank you for joining us today. My name is Maccabee Griffin. And I'm Marcella. And this is Beyond the Pen, where we take the well-known adage, read between the lines to a whole new level and beyond. Each week we sit down with a new author to not only discuss one of their books, but also learn the story behind the story. Oh my gosh, this is going to be one of those one of those days already. Hi, Marcella. Hi, Mac. <laughs> oh my gosh. For everyone else, this has been a trip already, even before I hit the record button. Um, so we're going to do some things a little bit different today. We're going to do a little bit of um, housekeeping, just because we got so many things that are going on before we bring our guest on. And believe me, y'all are going to love her. What? I'm not doing any housekeeping. I'm sipping coffee. I was going to make a, no, no, I'm not going to. I'm leaving that alone because I do not want to get throat punched by anyone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and knowing that I have some witches here, I'm probably going to get cursed. Well, wait, I've already been cursed because I have Marcella with me. Never mind. Wow. Anyways, <laughs> we can double down on that today. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be fun then. This is going to be a trip. Anyways, so. Just to get some things out of the way, um, because we have, again, had so many things that have been happening for us. Um, we are now officially up. We've been officially up for a while, but I haven't been putting it out as much. You guys can actually see us on the Traverse TV. Yes, you can find Traverse TV on Roku. You can find it on Amazon Fire. Google Play, and then by <laughs> beginning of next year, app. the Traverse app. Yes, Traverse. Oh, here's Traverse. Traverse. Okay, Traverse, not not Trevor. Traverse, Traverse. Uh, <laughs> the Traverse Channel. Um, so their app is up for Android right now. Next, by beginning of next year, we'll be up on Apple TV. Up on the videos will be up on iTunes and the uh, iOS uh, will be their app. There, there, there. Their, <laughs> I can't speak. Their app will be up on the iOS by next month. They're still in works in talks with uh, with Apple. You know how Apple is. They they have this fun thing with them. Anyways, but also we wanted to also make sure that you guys were quite aware of where to find us always at beyondthepinpodcast.com. And then, of course, Marcella has her link tree at linktree.ee forward slash Marcella. And then two L's. Is it two L's? Yes, two C's, two L's. Two C's, two L's. (laughs) She's got to double down on a lot of things. Um, Always. And then, of course, you guys can find me at macgriffinvo.com. And every week on Tuesdays, you can find us on your favorite podcasting platform by 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I've only missed one time, and it came up like 7 or so, just because I forgot they were on p.m. and we're on Eastern, and it was a whole thing. Um, And then, of course, like I say, you can always join the fan page on Facebook. We've also got the actual podcast podcast. page up so on facebook as well so you can instagram uh, look for 
Hmm? Instagram. Oh, we've got plenty of them. Yes, absolutely. Twitter. So you can find us. You can find us at Beyond the Podcast on Beyond Facebook. The Will you stop? You said Beyond the Podcast. Oh, I did. Yeah, Beyond the Pen <laughs> Podcast. See, I told you it was going to be one of those I days didn't do today. Anything. Listen, I'm just waking up. All right, give me. Oh, you're waking up. Okay, yeah. Okay. Anyways, so yes, yes, she corrected me. I'll throw a punch at you later. Um, beyond the- <laughs> that's funny. Be- that's funny. I know. So it's like it'll ever happen. Uh, beyond the Pen Podcast fan page. We also have the Beyond the Pen Podcast. You can just find us on Beyond the Pen on Facebook, as well as Instagram at Beyond the Pen Podcast and Twitter at Beyond the Pen Pod. I couldn't get the podcast. I just didn't have enough. Anyways, and as always, we always love to say, please follow, share, and leave us a review. <clears throat> Because we definitely want to continue to open up this community to so many people. We've got some great guests coming up. Speaking of which, our guest has been very patient with us. And I I guess it'll be time for us to actually bring her up. You know, what do you think, Martin? I am so happy to have her here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is going to be fun because I'm going to be getting doubled down on this. It's not going to be fun for me. But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, today, again, it is Halloween. We thought we'd stick with the theme. And, well, every day is Halloween for me and Marcella because, well, it's Marcella. Um, But we thought we would continue on the theme in in regards to what we're giving to you guys. And so we decided we were going to bring on a young lady who wrote a a book called Bound, a Doyle Witch Cozy Mystery. And her name is Miss Kirsten Weiss. (laughs) Kirsten Weiss. And we both have copies. I have my copy. I'm so happy. Yes, I don't have to get so much complaints anymore from her. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, Miss Kirsten Wise. Hey. Hello, Hi. Kirsten. Hi, Thank Kirsten. you for having me here today. Oh, we're glad that you're here too. So <laughs> please introduce yourself to our lovely listeners and future uh, watchy, watchers, audience members. Yeah, we'll go with that one. Um, and tell us about yourself, but most importantly, tell us something we can't find on the internet about. Hmm. Uh, well, my name is Kirsten Weiss. I wanted to be a mystery writer since a very, very young age, since I picked up my first Nancy Drew. Like I've met a lot of mystery writers who said the same thing, so that's not unique. Um, but it was just becoming a writer seemed very impractical. I came from a very practical family. And so I ended up getting a business degree and I ended up working overseas for about 20 years in different developing countries and doing this thing called microfinance where you make really small loans, usually starting around a hundred bucks, focusing on women business owners to help them grow their business and become self-sustainable. And, uh, but I kept writing throughout that. And as I was overseas, I kept encountering different, uh, cultural beliefs about magic and religion and superstition and my just I guess I'd always had an interest in in all of the above as well and so that just kept growing and growing and growing and I was always the person who when some article about a client had to get written they said let let Kirsten do it (laughs) I was like yes yes I'll do it um anyways I finally came home 
uh, due to some due to my parents' illnesses, and uh, I had a really hard time reintegrating back to the United States after so much time abroad and after doing such a weird job too. I mean, microfinance isn't really directly applicable to banking or or what's happening in the United States in the financial industry. So I floundered for several years and um, finally out of desperation, I was like, well, I'm going to write this book (laughs) because I have nothing else to do. And uh, that book was The Metaphysical Detective. And the first edition was terrible. I think I only sold about five copies, which is good because it was terrible. And then I, I rewrote it and it's it's much better now. Um, and then I, I kept writing and um, eventually got an editor and got an agent, got publishers. And now it's my full-time job. So I'm actually really glad that I was floundering for, those, for that time and, and didn't settle for a job that uh, wasn't quite right for me because I, I love... I love being a writer. I love the freedom and flexibility and the creativity. And um, maybe being in my head all day isn't always the best thing for me, but it's fun. <laughs> well, you know, Marcel is always in her head. So, you know, it, you're not the only one, at least. So I have, you know, when it comes to my head, I have a lot of voices and I have to have reps and they have unions. There's a lot of, a lot of logistics involved. In Mine that. live all around me. No, that's true. Yeah. At least at least yours are somewhat organized. It's not corporeal. Exactly. There you go. There's a difference. So see, this is what you're gonna get, Kristen. That's or fine. Kirsten. Why did I say Kristen? It's, it's because okay. you said it earlier. That's the reason why. Yeah, you know, everyone does it. I honestly my name has been mispronounced my whole life. I don't get upset about it because I'd be upset all day, every day if I did. But as long as they spell it right and can find me on Amazon or on my website, I'm happy. There you go. That's about what we are like to do. So, <laughs> so let's get to the book because this book is definitely something of an of a read. Again, bound. And here's the other thing I thought was interesting, real quick, is because you actually have a couple of spells in the back. Because it like it says, spells included. What gave you the idea to do that? Well, Typically with cozy mysteries, there's something in the back of the book. So frequently with culinary cozy mysteries, there's always recipes in the back of the book. There's knitting patterns in the back of the book for knitting themes. And um, I just thought, well, the hell with it. I'm writing a witch mystery. I'm going to put spells in the back of the book. (laughs) Nothing bad, I hope. No, 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 no. These are very simple. The focus is really, for me, this is my personal way of doing things a spell is always about changing yourself or changing Mm -hmm. myself so that i can interact differently with the world and once i'm interacting differently with the world then the world is interacting differently with me and things are hopefully getting better and that's always been my focus when i'm for the spells in the the back of these books quite honestly and i know that's not i'm not saying that's the way magic has to be i'm just saying this is me all right and i gotta be honest this is a really good one the ladder spell oh is it good very common spell and i've used it many times yeah. See again. I love that. I'm, I like that I'm, it's included. Yeah, I'm I tried. Surrounded by witches. I'm surrounded I, by witches. <laughs> well, when I was back in California, I was also surrounded by witches and oh. shamanic practitioners and all sorts of people doing different things. And I've always been very interested in it. And so I, you've been you're reading so much about different types of modalities. And so I tried to make the magic in the book. I mean, it's not completely real. It's a lot more. Um, the results are a lot more bold and extravagant and magical than we t- I, I've typically seen happen in the real world. I think magic with that I've seen has been a lot more subtle, 
but because this is a book, but the spells and the actual tradition and history that I write about in my books, I try to keep as accurate as possible because I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because there's a lot of things that when we look back in history that have made a big difference in our cultures. And of course, there was a dark time. We we all know that there was a dark time in Salem, as well as many other places around the world when it came to witches. But when I look at the history of witchcraft, um, many of the times that the people that were in so-called witches during the medieval times were just herbalists. They were women who were very strong, who knew what was going on and did their best to help people around them. Basically, they were the first female doctors, honestly. They were the the, the first uh, pharmacists back then. Because or apothecaries. Or apothecaries. Yeah. Yes, apothecaries. Excuse me, apothecaries. Um, but there, I remember there was one incident in... I cannot remember what part of England it was. Um, I think it was in Southern part that there was a outbreak of, I think it was like mad cow disease at that time. And many people were getting, uh, getting sick from it. And or it was a hoof and foot, uh, hoof and I can't say it, hoof and mouth disease. Um, and so one of the ladies that was involved in the area, who was an apothecary, uh, was doing a, a doing a ceremony. I don't want to say a ceremony. She was basically taking an animal that was in the ground, uh, put it in the ground, and then put a bunch of herbs in there with them. And it was her way of uh, her way of cleansing the land because there were the herbs and the animal when they dissolved over time would actually be put into the ground, which makes it better for herbs for the animals when they were eating. But, and she was doing this in multiple places around the, around the area, but people were seeing it as, Oh, she's cursing the land. She's the reason why this is happening. Let's kill her. And unfortunately things like that were happening. So for me, how much of, uh, history historically did you always get into when you were younger when it came to this because you said you were you've always been interested in magic and stuff like that was it more from some people around you was it history what got you involved in it i when i was younger my mother shopped garage sale sales we didn't have a lot of money growing up that that mm -hmm. changed later on but um so it was garage sales and books so she just didn't matter what the book was about she'd buy the book and she ended up with a lot of books on Greek mythology, which I think, and a lot of fairy tales as well. And I think those were the two avenues that really got my interest going when I was a child. Um, not so much, not so much history of magic that wasn't available so easily when I was growing up. It wasn't until I started going overseas that I really started looking more um, maybe clinically at what was going on and where, where these different ideas were coming from. And there were so many, you, you'd find similarities between magical practices between two very different cultures. It's like, what, what is the strain that's happening? I, I think, and this is 
this is not a scholarly, this is just my own personal opinion. And I, I think that shamanism seems to be kind of the, the core of a lot of this. Um, and that's like, you find shamanism all over the world in all different cultures. Um, I mean, there's different flavors to the way it works, but the core principles of journeying and encountering um, beings in other levels of reality and the shaman kind of being you know, a little bit out of the world, but not of the world. Um, and then making changes in, you know, his, his, I'll say clients or patients, um, or making changes in the world based on, you know, what he's done in these other realities. Um, it's, it seems to carry through. I mean, when you look at, for example, stories of witches in the middle ages, there's stories of witches flying up through the chimney and out. Well, in certain shamanic practices in Europe, shamans would travel up on the smoke of a campfire and their spirits would go. So I think, again, to my beginner's mind, there seems to be a lot of similarity between the idea of the witch flying up through the chimney and a shaman flying up on the cloud of smoke. I'm sorry, how do we get here? What are we talking about now? I always get, I like to get into the background of our guests, especially when it comes to their habit, their habits, their hobbies like the at first it was a hobby. Now it's a, it's a lifestyle for you. And to me, when we look at everybody's life and the way that we present ourselves, there's always some type of force that's pushing us towards what we're writing, what we're living. There is a, there is a reason to the madness, to my madness. When I ask these questions, I promise you, Kirsten, but since we're going into the book, let's get into this, shall we? Okay. Let's talk about Doyle. Let's talk about the town first, because this, this town is very confusing to me in some way, shape, or form. They are, as you put it, it is a Norman Rockwell with Wi-Fi. And the reason why I say that is because it is always interesting to, to me to, to see somebody write that and then just a lot of the things that were going on in the town make me really question the people in charge. So can you give us a little bit of a description of what this place is like besides, you know, Norman Rockwell with just Wi-Fi, but some of the people involved in like the leadership. Okay. Well, I actually based Doyle off an actual town in California called Murphy's, which is, it's, it's in the foothills. I, I don't know what the elevation is, but um, it, it's just a super charming little town in the forest. It was old, old gold, gold rush town. And it still has remnants of gold, like on the main street, it looks very old West gold rushy. Um, but it feels a little bit isolated. And um the town has, it, my imaginary town, not Murphy's, <laughs> Murphy's is fine, <laughs> but uh, Doyle has had a problem with people disappearing and they've kind of always excused it while people disappear in the woods and people do disappear in the woods quite frequently, more frequently than, than you would think. People disappear in national parks, people disappear when they go hiking. Um, and there's, yeah, I think there's a lot of very good natural reasons for that. People go to a national park and they think, oh, park safe. It's like, no, this is wild nature. Nature wants you dead. <laughs> Bad things can happen to you. Um, 
still there have been more people disappearing than than should have been from Doyle. And so they're starting to get an inkling in the first book that something something maybe magical is going on with that. So that's sort of the, I have this subplot which runs over the course of the books about what is going on with the town of Doyle. And that subplot is not actually resolved in the first book. The first book is also, it's, it's a murder mystery. It's a love story. The murder is resolved. The love story is resolved. That's, so it's a complete story. But I wanted to have this overarching mystery of what the heck is going on in this small town. Well, I'm glad you said that part because when it comes to certain events, certain uh, ways they react to certain situations, uh, for instance, one of the councilmen, uh, Woodley, I remember, I forget, his, yes. I believe that's his name, Woodley, uh, at one point even sta states when he gets to a murder scene, I'm a concerned citizen. Uh, okay, what does that have to do anything? You're on the council. What? It, but it, it, those those are the little questions that were like in my head the whole time. I was like, there has well, got to be something big going on when you got people like this in charge. I do admit to a certain prejudice against politicians in general. I don't care what party <laughs> they're from. <laughs> I don't care if they're big or small. I kind of tend to have my my baseline is low opinion. It's like if you raise my baseline to something higher, then I'm delighted and surprised. <laughs> so I I confess to that. But also. People people behave irrationally all the time. I mean, yeah. I remember, so I, I worked in Afghanistan for a time and I went through a lot of security training. And one of the trainers said, if there, you know, if there's a bomb threat, what I want you to do is get your stuff and leave. And I was like, well, duh, yeah, why, why wouldn't I get my <laughs> stuff and leave? And she said, no, you would be shocked at how many people, when a bomb threat gets called in, stick around to see what's going to happen. Yep. And I was thinking, that's crazy. Well, a year later, I was in San Francisco at a conference. It was very small. It was like 25 people were in the room. And the conference organizer walked in and said, we've just had a bomb threat. So we're, we're, we're going to shut down the conference. And I said, okay. So I picked up my bag and I walked out the door and I was the only person to do that. Everyone else stuck around to see what happened. I remember I walking down the block and I kept looking back, expecting people to come out. They never did. Jeez. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't that doesn't surprise me one bit, honestly. It really doesn't. It I mean, I had been told that was what happened. It still mm -hmm. surprised me. But yeah, people just behave irrationally. We're we are irrational creatures. We try to we try not to be, and I think we're getting better. I hope we're getting better, but we still, and I include myself in this, we still do stupid things every day of the week. Speaking of irrational, um, <laughs> Marcella just looking at me like, okay, I got you. I got you later. No, um, I wanted to really talk about Doyle is just one of those places that's like you said, it's it's lost in time in a way. It's like it stays the same all the time, and the people like it that way. So it, at first, when I was starting to read, it was like, this is just this is um the Andy Griffith show just set with magic in a way the way that people are reacting to certain things they're interacting um but it's the people that make this community very strange um and the way they interact they react to certain things like any other small town i grew up in a small town i grew up in a really small town like less than four thousand. so yeah it was an old coal mining uh 
coal mining town, still there, uh, Staunton, Indiana. Um, I have family there, friends still there and everything, but everybody knows everything about everybody. And there's always some type of talk about something going on with somebody's family. Did you hear about them? And they did this and that, that. I mean, it was just, and it's, to me, I really wanted to get your, your, your answer on this one because one of the characters, one of the sisters in the story, her name is Jace. And Jace is considered the wild child. She's the one that, in her words, likes to sample uh, the men and or women and both uh, within the town. Uh, her sister basically puts it as, no, there's a difference between sampling and having an all-you-can-eat buffet. So for her, I wanted to understand what people really thought about her about the the cafe itself the the ground is what it's called um because to me i'm always looking at it as like if i know that there's a lot of he said she said stuff that goes on this person's sleeping around with a lot of women's husbands they're going to have a lot of different things having to deal with this place um, she was, she's not sleeping around with other women's husbands, but in their mind, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the weird thing is California, the attitudes in California are quite a bit different than other parts of the country. Um, which I grew up in California, so I didn't really realize how different they were until I moved. They're real different. They're very different. So there's not, I, I don't think she's as condemned for that as she might be in other places. Right. Um, actually, the next I should say the next book in the series is about Jace. So we we get to learn a lot more about her and okay. her journey as well. Because um, there's there's more to her than just being the wild child. Um, well, yeah, of course. But, there's always more. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a really good question. Because <laughs> well, for me, I always think that if if it's if this place is like Norman Rockwell, then there's a lot of the old style beliefs and the, the way that they look at each other as they, you know, look at things like this and the gossips and things of that nature. So that's the reason why I was asking that yeah. question. Um, but speaking of the sisters, because there are three, there are, there's uh, Jace, there is uh, Karen, and then is it Lorraine? L Lenore. Lenore, Lenore. Sorry, well, I don't know why it's Lorraine. Anyways, um, but the way that you built even their own personal um, personalities based off of their the, their triplets, you know, the oldest is normally the very responsible one. The second one is, you know, sometimes the wild child and or the one that no one knows or cares to really remember. And then, of course, the youngest is always the baby. For you, you put a twist on it. You actually made the oldest the wild child, the middle one the responsible one, and then the youngest is the introverted book lover. Yeah, well, since they're triplets, I thought that the the traditional orders might get a little jumbled because um, they're you know Jace is older by just a, a couple minutes, really. And three minutes. You, she's got. Um, the person taking care of her is like taking care of all three at once. So mm -hmm. I think, I think 
there's more of an opportunity for natural personalities to just kind of emerge without the whole birth order. I mean, I grew up, I have a two sisters and a brother and the whole birth order thing totally, (laughs) totally worked for my family. Uh, I'm the oldest, the most responsible and a lot of ways. And, um, the youngest is the, you know, most, most freewheeling. Cause by that, at that point, our parents were just like, yeah, do whatever. <laughs> we don't care. Exactly. Stick your finger in the socket, find out what happens. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was looking at. I was like, this is so not like what n- a normal family has sometimes. Yeah, but again, we, with, with everybody born at once, I think that that changes how that would normally work. That's true too. That's very true. Um, but I thought it was very interesting because you gave a spin on it. You gave them something that was a little bit different than most other authors do, as well as way that society in general just sees, okay, if you're the oldest, you have to be the most responsible one. Not in this case. Um, But also the way that their magic works and the way that, you know, the interaction between them and the super supernatural in general um, on how they can actually tell when something's not right. You know, for, for Karen, hers is, she feels this knot that's, uh, that's tight and untidy in her chest. That's how she describes everything. And then of course, with, uh, Jace, Jace is more wild and fizzing feelings that she gets when she gets those. And then, you know, what is, uh, Lenore's? How does, how does she feel? Lenore's a shamanic witch. So again, this is, so for her, it's more happening in her head and with visions and seeing things. And Jace is an earth witch. She's more earthy. She's more, um, sensual. So for her, it's about like the senses and then, Corinne has uh, not magic. So it's all I'm using like string and not and you know, metaphors for how she is experiencing magic and feeling things out. Because she's also the writer of the group, too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. She actually, so, I actually had her write some um, paranormal romances. So, so we've written them together. <laughs> so, how close to your personal life is this in terms of the descriptions and the way that people are acting and reacting? I was just going to ask her that. <laughs> yes. Oh. Well, I think, I mean, it, it, there, there's a lot of parallels. I actually wrote this. I had, I had been taking care of my, with me, with me and my siblings, we'd been taking care of our parents who were very, various stages of illnesses and staying up all night with a an adult and you know helping him take care of what he needs to take care of and and you know, all the the messiness that goes along with it uh it was really just it's brutal it's so hard taking care of a parent um i mean it's whether you're taking care of a child they're small you know it's 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 still tiring and stressful but then you're taking here you're taking care of a 200 pound you know man it's a whole other level <laughs> of stress yeah um so there was that element I had intended originally when I to write this book as a light, fluffy, frothy witch mystery. And then when I started writing it, it just something really much more darker and mysterious kind of came out. Yeah, so the yeah. stuff, the stuff that Corinne's going through with her aunt, who she's helping to take care of, was very much based on what I what I had been going through. And then I think um, 
I think people do experience magic very differently. Um, we we kind of we all have our, our tendencies and inclinations, and you know, I have I talk to friends who um, like I had this one friend who's very uh, very much an earth witch, and she was talking about um, her cloaking spell involved mentally reaching into the earth and pulling it over her. And then you talk to another person who has a very different way of doing a cloaking spell. Um, they might visualize um, a shield, like a mirrored shield around them. So it all depends on how, yeah, what their personality is basically. I, it seems like the personality, how they, how they interact with the world normally also kind of tends to mirror how they interact with the world magically. So if you interact with the world in your headspace, that's probably how you're going to interact with the magical world. If you're a very grounded, sensual person who who feels things and is, you know, paying attention to their environment, that's also how you're going to interact with the magical world. I think. So, Marcella. <laughs> no, you're you're spot on because I'm I'm listening to the little descriptions like, well, that's what I do. And I do that. Like I when I need to be grounded, sometimes I'll go outside without my shoes on. And I'll stand next to the tree. Or if I don't, if I have my shoes on, I'll still have my hand on the tree. And my kids always used to ask me what that was about. But my daughter, one of my daughters says she talked to them when she was smaller. So they helped her to ground. Um, as far as in my head, I just had a conversation yesterday about the 3D, the 4D, and the 5D. And of course, there are other levels, but I'm not going to touch on that right now. Um, I'm very much in the 4D a lot of the time where I'm in my headspace and I am you know, having the visions and, and sending messages to people with my mind and then having them call me or text me. Um, but the other one, the not witch, um, I'm not sure about that per se, just because I have done the not rituals, but, um, it's, it's not, it's something new to me that that's what you're describing. Cause I have other things where I feel I like I have, um, Mac, what is that word? I can never pronounce it. Where I, can, I see music when I'm singing or playing the piano. Mm -hmm. Synesthesia. Synesthesia. Yes. Right. So that's very um, touch oriented as ver as well as, as um, you know, my, visually I'm seeing this. So there are different, you're right. They're depending on the, the person's character, on their upbringing. Everyone has their thing. So, but my next question was, where are you? in these books, did you base anyone on you? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I guess I, I try not to do that. <laughs> I, I hate it. You know, I, I don't want the books to be, and I don't, I don't want a character to be me. That would be weird. But the reality is it's all in some ways, it's all the writer, in, including the bad guys, because <laughs> the writers is coming out of the writer's head. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess, with the, with the Doyle witches, I think I relate more to Corinne um, as a writer myself and just uh, temperamentally. But I think of the characters that I've written, yeah, and so, there's elements of me in all of them, I have to confess. I thought it was funny the, the fact that when they found the body, because, again, this is a murder mystery, they found it in the ground. Uh, the ground is the cafe, not the actual ground ground. Um, <laughs> I have to clarify. I have to clarify that because people are like, why were they digging her up? Um, the reason why I was looking at that the most, because when Kareen looks at, uh, lets the police officers in, 
And then all of a sudden she's pointing to the local journalist, uh, Alicia. Is that correct? Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. She's the first words out of her mouth. is like Alicia is over there. And then she's all of a sudden she says, but it wasn't Alicia. That, that, that was confusing to me in a way. What was she seeing when she said that? Actually, I'm not sure. I'm going to I'm gonna have to look at that. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it right in front of me, so I can tell you exactly what okay. it says. Um, so the two off, uniformed, uh, uniformed officers strode to the front door and rattled the knob. Uh, I'll get it. I let them inside. Thanks for coming. Alicia is. But the body on the floor wasn't Alicia anymore. Over oh. there. I motioned towards the corpse. Yeah, it's, she was just, when a person dies, it's it's not them anymore. I feel like their their spirit, the, who, their essence is gone. It's just a shell at that point. So that's just what she was referring to. That's what I thought too. I was just like making sure, because like, I know that there was a body, there was blood. How bad was this? Because even the sheriff, when she came in, it's like her entire uh, facade just went out the window when she saw this corpse and she was just like what happened and, and that's why I was looking at it. I was like because here's the other thing I, I thought was interesting about this town is that when someone says there's a murder normally you just send the police the police officers come in they see it and they're like okay we just need to take care of it we'll bring in people when we need no this this place took not only the police they sent the firefighters and they sent the paramedics as well. And the well, whole time she's looking at them like, okay, this, why? Here's what happens in California. When you call 911, everyone comes. Ah, it's just, it's automatic. Everyone comes. That's New York too. Interesting. Yeah. So that's the reason why. Yeah. But so I did like her, police, her fire and ambulance will all be there. I did like her statement though. I was like, I think she's, a, I think it's a little too late for that. Yeah. Uh, so that's the reason why I was looking. I was like, man, this is, why would they do this? Because even in my mind, I was, I was looking, thinking about Indianapolis and the way that we do things here. It's like, I could see the police, the firefighters. Yeah. If there's somebody that's hurt or anything like that, fire trucks come in because you have rescue, you got paramedics, uh, pararescue and stuff like that. So I got that part, but it was just everything else. I was like, interesting. Okay. Well, I think we've given them a little enough of a hook so that they can go out there, buy the book, and, you know, have fun with it. Just sit down, get cozy, get your drink of choice, as we always say, and just have fun drinking and having fun and reading this book. So since we're doing that and we're getting cozy, Marcella, we're in your corner. Kirsten, um, I have a, a really good question. How many books in the series? Thirteen. 13. Love that. My lucky number. Yes, mine too. <laughs> <laughs> and what's next? Um, gosh, well, I'm right now I am working on a, another book in my tea and tarot murder mystery series, which is set in a tea room where there are tarot readers. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm also working on a book in my paranormal museum mystery series, which is set in a paranormal museum. These, these all seem very obvious when I start explaining them. Paranormal Museum series, certain Paranormal Museum. Um, I do write uh, mysteries that are not paranormal. I have some what they call so straight cozy mysteries. I actually have another mystery series set in the same town called At Wit's End. And that's from the point of view of somebody who doesn't think anything magical is going on. They think 
possibly it's UFOs and aliens. <laughs> it's a UFO themed BNB. And the woman in charge of the BNB has some high anxiety issues, which she's working her way through throughout the series. Uh, and she's a lot of fun. It's, she's, she tries to control her anxiety by controlling her life with lots of planning and just having everything exactly where it's supposed to be. And um, she's, she's a very quirky character. Not everybody likes her because she's a little bit off the wall, but uh, I like her quite a bit because she's a little bit off the wall. <laughs> you just described me. <laughs> <laughs> Except I'm like the witch and everything all rolled up into one. Pretty um, much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but um, okay. I have two more questions for you. Um, this one is one of my favorites. What is your writing kryptonite? Oh, gosh, I, a bad mood. A bad mood is my writing kryptonite. I, I really, I, I, when I'm feeling down, it's just like, oh, what's the point? <laughs> why, why bother? So I, if I can just sit down and write, it's honestly, it's just a matter of sitting my butt in the chair. And this is an old writer saying, butt in chair, just sit down and write. And even if what you're writing is garbage, you edit it later. At least you have something to edit. But if I'm in a bad mood, if I'm feeling low, I don't even want to sit down at the at the computer. So that is my writing kryptonite. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen very often. And that's good to hear. 13 books in the series, another series. And I mean, that's that's fabulous. Oh, How many you. series do you have? I think I have eight out now. Yeah. And how long have you been writing for? Ten years. Wow. She's the she's the female version of Stephen King. Yeah. No, <laughs> he's so much better than me. <laughs> he's no, just, he's the master. He is the he's master. Different. And he's he's doing he's gonna see he's never gonna come on the show. He's doing these tr- crime novels now, and I hate yeah, them. I hate them. He's he's should stay in his lane. <laughs> stay in your lane, Stephen. <laughs> Dang it, Stephen! I said that last time. You need to stop. Um, okay, stop. last question. Stop. Is there a famous quote that you subscribe to that keeps you going? Oh, gosh. I, I'm sorry. I can't think of one. I'm, I'm never good at holding quotations in my head. But I will say um, I've been reading a lot of the Stoic philosophy, Marcus Aurelius, and he's got just some great some great stuff in there. To think that the emperor of Rome had trouble getting out of bed in the morning and forced himself to do it anyways is tremendously comforting to me <laughs> i thought that was just something normal that everybody else was dealing with <laughs> myself man kirsten thank you for being on our show again please tell everybody where they can find you where they can find your books any events that you're going on please the floor is yours uh well you can find my books on amazon barnes and noble um, Kobo, Google Play, Apple Books, you know, all the usual suspects. If you walk into a Barnes and Noble store, you can find some of my books there. Um, and you can go to my website at kirstenweiss.com and that has a list of all my books and links where you can find them. And, um, I also have a free, yeah, there you go, the free novella in my tea and tarot series. If you want to pick that up, the, the link is, is right there on the screen, kirstenweiss.com slash get the book. All right, I, I think I already know the answer to this one. But what did you think about her, Marcella? I, she's gonna, she's in my top 
five right now. I well, love that's good. I, I, Who'd you I, drop yeah. down? <laughs> I didn't. I had four. <laughs> oh, that's right. You did. You no, let four. me stop. Don't, don't. They're going to watch this. They're going to get upset. <laughs> Was I not in the top four? I am the instigator of this. I know. <laughs> she may be like moving up to number one. I got to be honest with you. I don't know. She is. She's up there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, for me, yeah. Oh, I knew that. The first time I talked to her and I saw the books, I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be Marcella's favorite book. Yeah, no, I think favorites. I think it is. I'm going to have to get all the others. Uh, yeah, all 13 of them? 13 is my lucky number. Well, this uh, 13 of this series. Well. You're, you're going you're gonna to spin off into all of our other series. I can tell this already. You are going to have that library real quick. You know this, right? I'm gonna have to like like pay for these in crystals and tarot readings. <laughs> you pretty much are. You pretty much are because yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> oh, I thought it was good. The yeah, the, the writing is very descriptive, you know, especially of the feelings. Yeah, I gotta tell you, it looks like an easy read, but it looks like something I'm gonna want to read over. And oh yeah, that's yeah. rare. Yeah, I you're think gonna be reading maybe three books my entire life. Currently, not mm-hmm. that I haven't read this one, but three books my entire life that I've read more than once. I think you're going to read this at least three to four times within the within the next year or so, most likely. Possibly. Knowing you, knowing you, there's going to be a lot of readings of this book. You like to be cozy. I need to. I need the others. It's like the Odd Thomas books. I'm. I'm. I shouldn't be mentioning that on air. But Odd Thomas, I haven't read the first one because I don't have all seven books, and I need Uh all seven books so I can hold them. But I've read parts of each book that I do have. So I feel, I feel like I'm going to read most of this. I'll probably read all of it and say, okay, where's the next one? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. That's pretty much going to happen. Well, at least, you know, you can get a signed copy from the, from the author. <laughs> well, I thought it was great. I thought, like I said, it's very descriptive, especially at the beginning. She's very, um, very visual when it comes to the scene, the moods, the way people are reacting to certain things. I mean, it's a really good book. And like you said, it's a, it's an easy read. So go out, go to uh, kirstenwise.com. I'll put it up again so you guys can see it on the screen for those who will see this later. And of course, as we always say, please follow us, share, leave reviews. But most importantly, like I always say, keep writing, keep inspiring, keep sharing as you go beyond the pen. Hey folks, that's a wrap for this episode of Beyond the Pen. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you'd like to stay connected and up to date with everything Beyond the Pen, follow us on Twitter at Beyond the Pen Pod and Instagram at Beyond the Pen Podcast. For even more content and exclusive access to our guest profiles and more, make sure to visit our website at beyondthepenpodcast.com. Don't forget to join our Facebook fan page to interact with our favorite authors and fellow fans of the show. And if you want to take your Beyond the Pen experience to the next level, check out our selection of video interviews on Traverse TV's Video On Demand and Livestream. You can access these interviews through your Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Google Play, iTunes, or the Traverse TV app. So until next time, thanks again for tuning in and remember to keep writing inspiring and sharing as you 
go beyond the pen.